0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Wednesdays with Wheels. It's your favorite friend on Wednesdays, David Wheels. Maxwell, coming to you a little bit early today, but I like it because there's hockey on tonight, and we're going to watch some hockey. uh, The Florida Panthers, we're going to talk to my friend about the Florida Panthers, who he's going to go see uh, in this round of the playoffs. We're going to talk about all of that. They won last night, but before we do that, I have to tell you about the sponsor of this podcast. That's Make Your Mark. Make Your Mark is a, a home renovating company. They do everything from kitchen cabinets to bathroom remodels. If you want your house to look like you won the mega millions, you want to get a hold of Make Your Mark. So give them a call over at 585-613-6598. That's Make Your Mark. My guest is Brother Weez, the newest inductee into the Rochester Music Hall of Fame. <laughs> Brother Weez, how are you, my friend?
1: Uh, uh I'm back in Florida so it's about 88 degrees I, that's why I'm half naked here.
0: Well it, it, listen I wish it was 88 degrees here. it's uh, we've been getting nothing but rain. So let's talk about the Rochester Music Hall of Fame. The induction ceremony was on Sunday. Uh, tell us a little bit about for those for those that weren't there. Tell us who you had performed for your induction.
1: Well, uh, that was Sister Joan Osborne. Uh, I actually am the only inductee that had anybody perform for me. Uh, they either performed for themselves or, for instance, that kid that was the music director of the Eagles that went to uh, uh, McQuaid High School. He, he, had, he had, they did three Eagles tunes, but that was local guys. It was. Don Headley don henley actually came to speak for the guy but the music he wouldn't play and uh jimmy richmond you know primetime funk basically did three Eagles songs but i had i had joan osborne uh if you don't know joan you might know her from what if god was one of us Uh, she had a hit with that she had a few hits she tours with the Grateful Dead. She's a wonderful girl. And she came for me, spoke about me when she played, and it was heartwarming.
0: Yeah, and you talk about Joan Osborne, how you originally met her. Now, that was, it was in a, it was in a strange setting, not in the radio studio. Where did you meet Joan Osborne?
1: Well, you, 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 you're hitting me at a bad subject because that's where I was going and by the way, Wills, can you be honest? How long do you think I spoke before the hook showed up?
0: I would say about four minutes.
1: I think you're. I think that's about the neighborhood.
0: Yeah, I would say around four minutes.
1: And so uh, I was just getting ready to. I knew they wanted brief, so I was just getting ready to, you know, tell my Joan Osborne story. Because here she is on the stage. And I want to introduce her with a cute, right. why, she's, why she's even there for me. Why would she be there for me if I don't tell that story? Right. right? Exactly. So, so what happened was over 30 years ago, or maybe just 30 years ago, we were doing the morning show at a, at a McDonald's. I can't even remember where. And spring, it brings me this fraud Because spring, it'll tell you. Him and I had a relationship where back in the day, I would take anybody he brought me. Because one one thing about Springett, I think he has impeccable music taste. Now, not taste for everybody. He's not commercial. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, he doesn't deal in your commercial music.
1: No, but he brought me uh, Joan Osborne. No, no one ever heard of the chick. She had a guitar. Uh, She played some acoustic tunes at McDonald's, and I was unbelievably impressed. I went to the gig that night at uh, Red Creek. Oh, my God. I ran into a few people this week that were at that gig. She was sultry, sweating in uh, in a summer dress, singing Son of a Preacher Man. She was killing it. And I fell in love, and from there, you know, I got her on a lot of other gigs. Yeah. I got her a, a C-Mac gig.
0: What What year would you say that was that Joan came to? Uh,
1: to oh, well, spring, uh, I, spring, I think it's 30 or 31 years ago.
0: Okay, all right. Whatever um, year that is. Talk to us a little bit, because you had made mention Friday before the – the uh, induction ceremony that uh, I believe it was when you were doing one of the sets with Channel Thirteen—that music actually uh, saved, helped save your life a little bit, or gave you a direction. Am I right in that?
1: Well, the the you know I understand. First of all, let me just say, have you ever heard of this broad Paula Zach? Have you ever heard of her? I have heard of Paul. Paula Zach, as it turns out. Spent ninety bucks on front row tickets to see me at the thing. Wow! And she was pissed about the hook. Yeah. yeah. And she wrote a letter to the to the the top guy, and he wrote her back. And she showed me that the you know it, the shows go. They were famous for going way too long. One guy, a couple of years ago, spoke for forty minutes. People are leaving. People are falling asleep. But they could have adjusted for me and given me seven minutes, eight minutes. Uh, LaGrette was going to originally introduce me, and they were giving him eight minutes. So what's the difference, right?
0: Right, right. Give you your time.
1: So I forgot the question. I just went to Paula Azek.
0: Well, that's all right. Uh, so can we? can I ask you then? Uh, what was their response as to why they gave you the hook? Was it, it was because
1: of time? Well, because, yeah, because they, they already fucked it up when they had to take that emergency intermission. That was not when the intermission was supposed to be. Then they had technical difficulties. They had sound problems. So they thought I should do, th- they thought they wanted three minutes and Paula, you know, I was feeling I was so stressed because I knew that there were a lot of people that actually went there for me. Right. I mean, obviously not everybody. Obviously, everybody getting in had people, but uh, I, you know, they wanted to hear stories. Oh, I remember the question: How music music changed my life. <laughs> Completely. Right. Look where I am now. This is all music, bro. Music took me to all of this, and it goes way, way back when I came home from Vietnam. When I met a band at Fort Dix, it was at Wrightstown, New Jersey. Uh, I would go there. I was a drill sergeant at Fort Dix on weekends. I would go to this huge club. And I met a band there called, uh, believe it or not, the Assorted Flavor. Uh, we became friends over marijuana because I got a marijuana herb. And we would get high together on breaks. And uh, they said, you know, I mean, I'm back after three trips to Vietnam. I'm a drill sergeant. I hated it more than anything in the world. Uh, you can me. Make- Uh, this is the worst and now i'm in america and now you know i'm meeting bands and this is what i always wanted in my life and they said if i came to philadelphia i could be their manager can you believe this wheels okay so so the day the day that my one eight week bunch of guys graduated I was there when they got there. I was their drill sergeant, my platoon. And the day they graduated, I had my car packed up. And they, a lot of them had parents come for the graduation. Okay. I remember okay. when I went to basic training, I don't even remember a fucking graduation <laughs> and people coming. But now parents came and I was talking to their parents. And I remember one parent said, so when do you leave? I go soon as this is over. My car's packed. I was supposed to, you know, if I didn't leave, another bus was going to come in with new trainees for another eight weeks. I was going to start over again. Sure, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, do you, do you, go my ahead.
0: Question: Do you keep in Do you keep in contact with any of those guys from that band?
1: No, no. It's been that that's been fifty years, bro.
0: Okay, all right. I didn't know if if maybe there was somebody still around that you kept in
1: contact with. Well, well they're Philadelphia, and uh, you know who knows all those guys is Diane's mommy. Oh, Rachel. okay.
0: Which is, that's right. That's where you met Diane's mom in Philadelphia, right?
1: Actually, I met her at the club in Jersey. Okay. They used to come. And that's so where I met her.
0: You had no experience managing a band before this, right? Nope. No, and then so you get back from Vietnam, and then is that when the doing the shows in Rochester started?
1: No, bro. So I go to I go AWOL with, with this band. Okay. Okay. And uh it's funny, we got an apartment on 40th. Jesus, I'm going so bad, Gerard. 40th and Girard, if anyone knows Philadelphia, it's sort of the ghetto. But it's right by Fairmount Park, and you could walk to the zoo. But it was a seven story building, all black. We were the only white people in the building. But it was cool. And, you know, it was a band. This is 1968. 1968. So, however many years ago that is, Wales. A long time <laughs> ago. <laughs> That's when that was. <laughs> and so. A lot of crap went down. There's too many stories to tell. Eventually, uh, I, went to, uh, I took a couple of the guys to Rochester in February. And it was, we, we had a Volkswagen. And back then, they didn't even have heaters, wheels. Uh, really? They had a, no, they had a heater, but it was forced air. It didn't have a, a blower. Okay. All right. And we went to Rochester. It was fucking freezing. And when it was time to come back to Philly, that with oh, we couldn't defra it was just hell. And I got very sick. And I thought I had the Hong Kong flu, which was going around then. And Rachel, I was living with Rachel. Okay. Diane's mom's Diane's mom at that time now. And she said, you got to go to the hospital, but I was too scared to go to the hospital because I thought in my stupor that they would know I was AWOL, so I said, take me back to the army, so she drove me back, I report in, I get busted, it's just a long-ass story.
0: I know it's a long-ass story, but there's a couple things I want to I wanna ask you there because I've never asked you. How long... How long did you have to, how long did you have, was your jail thing once you got back? What was that?
1: It's another one of my favorite stories. And I think I might've told it on Lansbury once. And it's funny because all the Patriots hate me for all these stories.
0: Okay. Well, that's fine. But what,
1: what happened was I was in the, what we call the pound, the pound is the jail. And it was Pre-trial confinement. That's what it's called. Okay. So, so I'm in there before my trial. And my trial is just what they call a court martial. And it, and it was a, a general, or a, you know, you'll have to get Nick Stefanovic to interpret all this stuff. But look how long ago it was. It was either a general or a summary court martial. Okay. And the, the most I could get if I was guilty was six months and what you got to know is when you go to jail it's called bad time okay when you're in, when you're in the army it's good time good time to- that means time towards when you get out okay but when you're doing bad time that doesn't even count towards the and all I, out time. yeah right and all i can think of back uh, uh, bro i was a badass hippie i mean i was deep in with bands Drugs just, this is an unbelievable time, right. 19, right. 1968. And so when I went to trial, when I finally went for my court-martial, there were six guys getting court-martialed, one at a time. Fortunately for me, I was the last guy. And each time, we all had to wait in a waiting room. And each time, one of the guys went in. And when he came out, i say, what, what'd you do? What'd you tell him? And he said, I told him I hate the fucking army. <laughs> I, I go, what'd you get? He said, six months. I got the six months. I got to go to this joint. Okay. All five of those guys said they hate the fucking army. So I go in there. Now, one thing, I'm no genius, but I do know that they have my my papers in front of them my dd-214 right and not in front of them is the fact that i went to vietnam three times and i'm a combat veteran so i could be a little wacky right
0: right that and that could work in your benefit in this case
1: well of course those five guys previously were they never went to they haven't done anything right see what i'm saying yes they they just hated the army they, so they when they wall and got caught. Right. So I went in there, and, and when they asked me, "What? Well, why did I go?" I said, "Look, fellas, I love the army. I want to make the army a career. But after Vietnam, I came home, and they made me a drill sergeant. And by the way, this is all true. Right. And when they and when they made me a drill sergeant, I went into the captain, the CO." The, the commander of my outfit and I said sir could you give me any other job in the military anything I don't want to train these guys to go to Vietnam I I I, I just don't want to do it, any job I'm in and they wouldn't okay. so wait wait a hear this up so, so I was doing some LSD and next thing I know I'm here I don't know what happened and I got nothing. You you
0: got a lot. You got a lot of stories. And I wanted to give you a moment because one of the things I we talked about on Friday when I came into the studio, which by the way was so much fun to be back in the studio. What with it was. But uh, one of the things we talked about is that you had a lot of people you wanted to thank and didn't get to do that because you got the hook so early. So. I wanted to. One of the reasons I wanted to have on you, you on the podcast today was to let you thank the people that you wanted to thank and give you the proper time to give your 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 little your speech and thank the people you wanted to thank.
1: Well, to be honest with you, my list was just too much of a story about my career. I had to thank the guy to put me on the radio, but no one knows. He's uh, Trip Reeb. He's the guy that was responsible for all that. And I had to thank Ted Boylan, who put me in the concert promoting business that led to John Shea. I mean, the whole trip, what a long, strange trip it's been. And I was going to thank Billy DeTorey just because he was there and he wanted to give him a little recognition for his great musical show that him and I did together. And in that audience, they would appreciate Billy, and Billy's never gotten any kudos like that. It would have been so sweet for Billy to hear that, you know. Uh, It bummed me out that I couldn't do that. But I did get to thank Elvio, and I wasn't thanking Elvio. Elvio really has never done anything to affect me. I just wanted to give him kudos for growing the next bunch of kids that are going to be Rochester Music Hall of Famers with his Rockstar Academy, it which is, is so un- which is an unbelievable situation.
0: It is so true that uh, he is developing so many great talents uh, yeah. out, out of the area. I, I will take a minute because, uh, and just say, you're in, along with Billy, have to thank Billy too, because he was an integral part of the music show. But your influence on so many people, and even since I've known you, the amount of music you've opened my eyes to uh, is unbelievable. Talk about, and I want you to talk about this person a little bit, if you could, but because she's she is a very important part of your story, I believe, Susan Tedeschi. And I got to go do a Susan show with you. and Oh, you, yeah. You know, you always said to me, Wheels, it's like going to church, and I was like, I don't. I don't even like church really that much. How could it be like going to church? This is not a good selling point. But but when I went to the show with you, it really was like going to church. Um, well, it's
1: it's not a normal show. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, and I, it's just interesting how you met Susan, and through. Uh, through you, she met Derek. Am I correct in that? I think that's how that goes, right? Well,
1: it's not through me. What happened was I knew Derek as a solo act many times on the program. He was a kid, for crying out loud. And, I, and when I met Susan, uh, of, you know, only a couple years later, Susan came to the radio. She was Nobody. And, man, when she played in the studio acoustically, holy fuck, knocked my balls off. And then we stayed in contact. And I must have introduced her. I mean, because of me, she got in a jazz festival. She got on shows at Highland Park. So many shows without Derek. This is before Derek. She She even played the Highland Bowl. Just as Susan. You know what I mean? She had a a great fucking band. But one day, when Derek was in there, I said, bro, Derek, I got a broad for you. I'm not kidding you. You got to at least meet this chick. And I didn't introduce him. I didn't do anything. It was just amazing that when they did meet, that was that. Now they have grown children.
0: I was going to say, and look at them, look at them now, Amy. It's so interesting to me because Susan plays here so often, uh, you know, in the summertime and she's been here so many times that you could almost, Rochester has almost taken her in as one of their own. She's here so many times and just a great, just a great uh, artist and along with Derek.
1: Well, it is true, but believe me, they do a residency in New York city at the beacon theater for a week Every year, yeah. they play Red Rocks for a few days. There are many, many cities where they're huge. Yeah, uh, yeah. and you know Beacon Theater and Red Rocks—they're iconic venues.
0: It's amazing to me that they bring on uh, when we went to the show. I think they were with uh, Blackberry Smoke, if I remember correctly. When we, I can't remember. Them. And uh, uh, but they bring everybody on at the end of a show, and it's like a jam session. And you don't find many artists that do that because they all want the spotlight to themselves. But that is just amazing to me.
1: Let me tell you something for anybody listening. No matter who opens up for them, they put they close with. And I have seen some of the best jams ever. Uh, my favorite one was uh, Black Crows, Black Crows and Tedeschi Trucks at the end. Unbelievable twenty minutes of phenomenal shit. Everybody that opens for them closes with them.
0: Yeah it's, oh. it's just amazing. Weez, I want to talk to you uh, quickly about the first do you remember I know this is going back a long time, but do you remember the first show that you you uh, <laughs> promoted in Rochester and and uh, where it was take us take us back a little bit in time to some of those shows that you you first promoted.
1: All I can remember is the first show uh, might have been this guy, Al Giro. See, what happened was Ted Boylan, he was the kid with the money and the connections. Okay. And, and I was his number one guy. And, you know, I like to say I was the vice president. I had cards of Ted Boylan Presents. And then we opened up the Triangle Theater and Ted revamped the whole joint. And we had a string of shows there from Def Leopard, Judas Priest, The Pretenders, Jack. uh, You don't know Jack Bruce, right?
0: Uh, I've heard of the name, but I'm not familiar with the music.
1: Well, Jack Bruce was in a band called The Cream. Jack Bruce, Ginger Baker, and Eric Clapton. They were like the first power trio. Jack Bruce, a couple times, uh, we had so many acts that, you can't believe it. Uh, and we did Ozzy at the War Memorial. We, we had just a ton of fucking bands. I, I ju- I'm using the phone right now, or I would Google, because I did uh, Google for the radio. I couldn't believe the shows, because, you know, my broke ass. Can't remember them all. I forgot about Devo and, oh, the Ramones. So them. many, so many bands.
0: And it was a different time back then too, right Brother Weasel in the sense that nowadays it's all uh, like when you go get your tickets it's all electronic and yeah. you you go back then how were like people actually had to go to a box office and physically purchase the tickets. am I right?
1: Well the funny part of your fucking story is a part of my job. Uh, we call it hard tickets. They're hard tickets, right, right? And we bought them in Long Island, a ticket company. We used to have to get boxes of tickets sent to us with all the shit on them, <clears throat> and then I used to have to deliver them all over the place, and that was work. And the, all these record stores, and they had to keep the cash. I had to pick up the cash and the remaining tickets. It was hard compared to now. now yeah, I. Go ahead.
0: Now you just sign in and uh, click a couple buttons, and if they yeah. if the bots haven't bought them all up, uh, yeah. you can get tickets. But that's a whole other story. Talk to me about once you once you hit the radio business, and once you got into radio, that was also a different time because uh, record companies and these big. Uh, production companies were actually bringing their artists to the studio right so you could actually interview them because that's how they got their records played
1: they called them baby bands first of all baby bands which are bands just starting out that record companies think will be big sure. they, they bring them around and they do cheap shows but I forgot to mention at the Triangle Theater I mentioned you know the, the rock bands that but we did a whole bunch of Jamaican bands, whole bunch of Jamaican bands, a big one, the biggest ones. Okay, We had some unbelievable, we had third world until uh, we had one time, third world. that went till five in the morning. It was an unbelievable night. Wait a two minute, shows.
0: Show, hold on. The show went till five in the morning.
1: Well, there were two shows. So the first one, probably ended about 11 or midnight. Uh, but the, the second one went till five in the morning. Wow. That's, that's fun.
0: Un- I mean, that is unheard. That, that is unheard fun.
1: of nowadays. You would
0: not get anything like no. that nowadays.
1: No. People, you know, it's funny. Sometimes people text in pictures of their triangle theater tickets, six fifty.
0: Wait, $6 and 50 cents. Most of them, Oh I see it on the ticket. God. Oh my god, that's and now you oh,
1: go ahead. C- Cindy Lauper, we had, I forget all this crap. It's so great.
0: Cindy was one of your favorites, too, if I remember correctly.
1: Um number one.
0: What was, it to about, this day? what was it about Cindy that you like so much?
1: Well, I'll tell you what, Wheels, if you give a fuck, just go on your Google machine, Google one of her concerts on your big screen. You have never seen anybody perform like Cindy Lauper. Believe me,
0: yeah.
1: Everybody will tell you.
0: What what kind of what kind of music are you listening to these days? I know it's a, it's a little more <laughs> difficult for you. Uh, and we actually <laughs> talked about that in studio uh, the other day, where you said, "If you had your brothers, you'd rather be blind than all day and not be able to hear, because at least then you could." hear what you enjoy which is music but when you're listening to music nowadays what what kind of stuff do you listen to
1: well i mean this is corny i was telling on the radio this morning that every every morning when doreen goes to uh, yoga i'm out in the kitchen and i ask alexa you know that broad i know her i know, her. I know her. she Why lives well. here Why? she lives here and i say alexa Play the Grateful Dead every morning. Now, sometimes I do, I do Van Morrison, Linda Ronstadt, Tedeschi Trucks, Cindy Lauper. But right now, I'm on like about ten straight days of Grateful Dead. Do you, do you so listen, fun?
0: Do you listen to any of the new stuff, Wiz? Does that infiltrate your brain at all or your ears at all?
1: Well, the funny thing is, one of the bands coming. To the Lilac Festival, the record company. I love the new rock bands, and now how about that new uh, Whiskey Myers?
0: Whiskey Myers,
1: that was sounded terrific. great.
0: Yeah, and you know
1: I love uh, uh, what's the name of the band your buddies cover?
0: Uh, ZB, uh, Zach Brown.
1: I I love the Zach Brown band.
0: You like Into the Mystic, if I remember.
1: Into the Mystic is things that, of course. That's a that is a Van Morrison, Van tune.
0: Morrison tune.
1: But the Almond Brothers do it too. Yeah, yeah. and and more names. But uh, I, you know, I mean, one of the biggest artists today. I I don't even get it. And it's not hard rock. It's like that Billy Eilish chick, right?
0: Oh yeah, she's huge.
1: I buck her, but. Yeah. I don't get it. I, I, I don't see them, you know, comparing her to the women I'm talking about. Right. Vocally, vocally right. I don't hear it.
0: Right. Because I, don't I, lo- he- I wonder if she did a live concert, right? Because it seems to me like she's very produced in some of her music.
1: But she seems breathy and soft.
0: Well, yeah, that too.
1: That's what I'm talking. That's- I mean, I love Adele. I love Adele. How can you not? That's fabulous stuff. And the Taylor Swift thing, that's, you know, she seems to be the biggest thing in the world right now. Right. She's a monster. And I uh, think that's too produced.
0: You know, it's interesting to me. I want to get your take on this. Because with ticket prices, as outrageous as they are nowadays, don't you think it's, it's sealing out, like it's, it's not allowing the average everyday person to go see a show, right? You can't take a family of four to see a family family of four because it's too expensive. That's sad to me.
1: Well, here's the, here's the part. That's not as bad as you'd think. Those are those ticket prices that you're speaking of and they are ridiculous, but they're for major acts. But if you were really musically active, And this is a everybody that is musically active. So it's a term that many people don't understand. But the people who are musically active know what I'm talking about. Sure. They could go go to Abilene. They could go to Abilene every week, see killer fucking music for nothing. They could go. I I haven't heard much, but they could go to uh, uh, what's he called? The joint down the street. Uh, um, anthology Anthology. they could go to anthology they can go see your buddy's tribute band right. they, you could still go to see a bunch of soul blowing up music great live music you just can't see the big shits and you should say to them go fuck yourself because I'm not going to cut my arm off mm-hmm. and a funny thing we're talking about it because we were talking about Don Henley I used to have a parody song because the Eagles, someone just brought it up. The Eagles were the first band to break the $100 barrier. And I had a parody song about uh, basically the big joke was uh, for this kind of money, I should be playing in the fucking band. Right. This is a way. I just hope uh, I don't think we could find it but I got to find that song.
0: It was funny to me that he's there and to present the award, but he does he wouldn't sing one of his, his songs to me. Uh, yeah. and, and I, and listen, this is coming from me, but I was told by people that were backstage that he came out, did the presentation. Nobody was allowed to speak to him, put his jacket on and left. So I, I it's only to say, you can't idolize some of these people so much because they're just people and they have a talent that we don't have and they, they play music and it's good. But when you idolize them so much, you, you're, you're, you're bound to get your heart broken at the way they, they might treat you or they might act around you when you actually see them.
1: You know, you got that right on the nose. And one thing I know, because I left uh, after he was, I didn't go back. Right. Uh, I am almost positive that nobody got their picture with him because, uh, you know, Paul Simon, I've seen backstage people from the from that with, with him. Everyone else that was a celebrity that's been there had pictures with people backstage. Right. I have not seen one picture except for the kid he was inducting. Otherwise, nobody.
0: Right. Yeah. But, so someone. It's a shame.
1: Yeah, what a douche! Yeah, but he good. came for, but he came for the guy.
0: He came for the guy, so we got to give him credit for that. And and you know,
1: one other thing, Wheels. Sure, sure, And this is a this is a Wheels exclusive. That kid from the Eagles. I can't think of his name right now. I Can't think of his name either. I should have brought. it I got the program. He had the program. I, fucking, I didn't even think I had the program right here. Hold on, that kid from the Eagles. It'll be here in one second. Right here. Will Hollis. He's a kid from the Eagles. He's the music director. Yes. Yes. That's not even his real name. And he went to McQuaid High School. You want to hear the funniest thing? I was just in a Zoom meeting with Dr. Frank Lamar okay. from okay. Rochester High Bridge. Yeah. He went to high school with the guy. And I forgot his real name, but he, he went to high school with the guy. He couldn't understand. He, the, he didn't want anybody to know his real name, you know, when he was in the studio. Yeah. We weren't a lot, and I could not understand. I said to everybody, why wouldn't he want his people that went to McQuaid with him to know he was this much of a success?
0: Yeah, that doesn't it's make a, any sense to me. It is a
1: strange thing. And he, I I just don't get it.
0: Did you, did did you, did you, maybe you don't want to share this, but did you happen to ask him? Because I know you're not shy to ask when he was in studio. Why he didn't.
1: Listen, I didn't give a fuck about the guy.
0: Well, that's, yeah. Okay. I get it. I get it.
1: And I didn't get the uh, coolest vibe anyway.
0: Yeah. He he seemed a little stiff to me.
1: He wasn't Ronnie Steckman. And my boy Rudy Valentino and Jimmy Richmond and uh, Mike Gladstone killed it playing with Joan Osborne. There were some good performances.
0: I was telling you when I came into the studio on Friday, before we went on the air, I was telling you because one of my friends, uh, Rhonda Federation was one of the backup singers. And I, and I had mentioned to you that how good of a singer she was. And we had, we were commiserating about how it's hard. I mean, all, although there are many platforms where you can put your music out there nowadays, and you, you can be seen, and you can go—I mean, I can go on TikTok and watch people put on concerts on TikTok right from their living room. It's still so hard to get noticed, right, Weeze. It's
1: it's 100%. You really
0: have to get lucky in in that nowadays. Uh, but back to your point earlier about the great music you can see around town. I, yeah. I challenge anybody that Rochester has one of the greatest music scenes. They do. For, especially for a smaller market. We have a pretty strong music scene. What would you say about that?
1: I'd say that not only uh, it, well, the proof in the pudding is the Rochester Music Hall of Fame. And uh, so many people go to that uh, that are just in the community and they love. They're having a ball just seeing each other. Yeah. The, back, the backstage before the event, everybody, hug at me, babe, hug. It's funny. It's a great music scene here. Yeah. Great let, music scene.
0: Let me just ask you before we wrap things up, Weez, you've been doing this for so long and you've got so many memories and so many stories that you could tell. Uh, and I know people have asked you to write a book have you ever thought about writing something with somebody to memorialize some of your stories and put them on pen to paper
1: well here's the deal two things number one marshall fine is a great writer i I don't know i don't think you ever met him he used Uh, to write i've
0: never met him personally but i've been in studio when he's been on with us
1: yeah he, he was a big deal film critic and music critic and it's funny because he was just at the New Orleans Jazz Festival, and he wrote about it every day. And he's written about five books, uh, in which he was hired to write four of them, actually hired okay. to write them. And, and one of them, he just wrote a novel on his own that should be coming out. But he, he's been begging me for years to write my story. But what I'm afraid of is, A, who gives a fuck about Brother Weeze? And B, I would need Billy Victoria and other people because my old man memory is shot.
0: Well, let me tell you, if you ever decide to do it, I'd be the I'd be the first one in line to pick up uh, that book and, and read those stories because I think you have a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of, of great stories. I, I mean, I love every story you tell because I... Was I mean? I wasn't even a thought in my parents' eyes when you were doing some of the stuff you were doing, my friend. And it uh, from and I know you struggled with some of this stuff with the Vietnam tapes and all that stuff. But all of that to me, it's a piece of history. And you bring that to us every morning with your stories. So I appreciate you for that, and I appreciate you doing this for us. And congratulations on your Hall of Fame, <laughs> my, friend, my friend. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we sign off here?
1: Well, I do want to say, because I told story, I can remember a million stories once it gets sparked. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like if someone asked a question or if Billy the Tory, you know, he he would just bring up. I mean, we've had, when he was still on the show, we would hear something about a celebrity. That I can't think of, and he would go wheeze. They were in studio, yeah. and now I could remember. You know, yeah. You That's often all.
0: you often say, and I've and I've told Billy this when him and I have spoke. You often will say during the show, I need my brain here, Billy D'Antoni, oh. to help me remember this story. Uh, did you ever think years ago when you first signed on to radio that you that your career would be this successful did you think like did you have plans of it being this way or did you just think I'm only going to do this for a couple weeks and then move on to something else
1: that's such a funny goddamn question because here's the fact the fact is the whole thing was an accident and when I got the first of all I was just one overnight a weekend okay because my buddy ran the joint and he wanted me to fuck around and have fun. And back then, you played anything you wanted. You know, and we played records wheels. Sure. Actual records. Yeah. And we and we would play anything we wanted. So that was fun. But when I actually got the morning gig, I, 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 I was so terrible. So terrible. I knew it was a joke. I knew, I think Opie even said, He was at Geneseo College. When he heard me on at night, when I was on at night before that, everyone used to go, who the fuck? This guy's terrible. (laughs) I never heard. Because back when I started, all the DJs were voice people. They had to have have a good voice. Right. right. And they would just introduce records and sound like DJs. I couldn't do any of that. But I could talk shit. You and, talk
0: he, and, talk, and you've turned it into something something big for yourself, my friend.
1: Yeah, but when I first got the morning show and stunk out the joint, I used to say to myself, I know I stink, but if I can last one year, this is what I said, then if you're on the radio every day for a year, people that tune in at some point go, oh, that guy's on the radio. Right. He belongs on it. He's there. He must belong. Right. And that and that happens
0: that yeah. way. It's so funny. We just got a comment because people have been commenting. You probably can't see it because you're oh. using your phone. But people no, have been no. commenting, and uh, somebody said, uh, "I thought you were terrible, but not anymore." So, <laughs> so that just that just illustrates your point, my friend. And uh, and it's been a and it's been a great career, and it continues today. And. And I love you uh, like a brother. And thank you so much for doing this. Congratulations on your induction. And I'll see you on Friday, my friend.
1: Yeah, Wheel Genie. Thanks, guys.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another edition of Wednesdays with Wheels. We'll be back next week with another great quest. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.